This morning we are continuing our sermon series, if you will, on evangelism. I told you back at the uh, the beginning of the year that I wanted to present at least one evangelistic type of sermon each month throughout this year to get our minds focused on that. Uh, And as you can see uh, up here, the the lesson of this title, The Harvest is Plentiful, from Luke chapter 10. And so we're going to be in Luke chapter 10 this morning. But if you, rem- if you recall, uh, that very first lesson we looked at back in December, uh, the great omission, right? And we, t- we talked about that, that verse, the great commission, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. And we talked a little bit about why we might omit that verse, right? The, that maybe uh, we're not uh, willing to go out and find those. And then when in January, we talked about your mission report. Remember this? We talked about a little bit of a mission-minded type of sermon where we asked if you were to come up and give a mission report of your evangelistic efforts, what would you have to say to the congregation? In February, we looked at this lesson in Acts chapter 8 on first century preaching, and we noticed how the church expanded throughout the early years in the book of Acts and noticed what those evangelists were doing to help the early church succeed. And then last month, in March, we looked at that lesson of when they come into our assembly. Right? And we kind of focused in on when we do the evangelistic efforts, when, when we invite people into the congregation, how should we treat them? And then we looked at that lesson on James chapter 2. Don't forget, on Saturday, Ladies' Day, the theme for the Ladies' Day here is going to be a, a soul-focused mission. And again, there's that theme again on evangelism. And I know uh, Sister Jenny Hanstein, who's going to be speaking to the ladies, is one of the most evangelistic people that Angela and I know. And I'm sure she will do a great job with that. But we need to be reminded from time to time what the mission of the church is all about. You know, we're really good at uh, fellowship activities. We love to get together, uh, maybe play some games, uh, maybe do some other uh, activities. But what about the church and its mission? We sometimes forget about that. Uh, our mission, of course, is to bring souls to Christ. I appreciate uh, the, the song that Jason just led. Uh, that was a sort of we're on the same wavelength uh, because uh, uh, that's our goal, right? To, to go out and sow the seed of the kingdom. But as we sang that song together, do you often maybe think, well, am I actually doing that? You know, I'm proclaiming in front of all these Christians here this morning that uh, I'm going to be willing to sow the seed of the kingdom. But when we leave these walls, are we doing that? I love what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. I know you are familiar with these verses. But he said to those uh, Christians there in Corinth, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preach to you. Which also you received and in which you stand, by which you are also saved, if you hold fast to the words that I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Therefore, uh, he says in verse 3, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. And we also know that many today, they just... They don't know that gospel message, that Christ died and was raised according to the scriptures. Uh, And that's our goal, right? Our goal is to share that 2,000-year-old message to the world. And, And when we present that message to them, it's up to them to either accept it or to reject it. It's up to them to do something with that message. But we can't be shy about sharing that message. Romans 1 verse 16 For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also the Greek. 
Did you know Paul in, in that verse that I just uh, uh, stated there to the Jew first and also the Greek? Have you ever wondered what, you know, what does that mean? What does that all entail? Well, there was a time, of course, when uh, Jesus was on earth and his ministry was strictly to the Jewish nation. Uh, Brent just read us that passage there in Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 through 6, that he said, listen, I need to go to the lost house of the sheep of Israel. Uh, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And uh, Jesus, other than traveling uh, to Egypt when he was a toddler, an infant, we never read of him ever leaving uh, that land, uh, the, the land of promise, the Canaan land. We never read about him leaving there. Uh, although we do read of passages where he will heal uh, the Gentiles from time to time, where, where he will perform miraculous events for them, where he will converse with them. Again, his ministry was to the Jewish people, to the lost house, uh, to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Christ was preparing them for that new covenant that was going to take place through his death. And of course, again, that great commission was established after his death. That's the commission that you and I have today. Right? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you to the end of the age. And that's a pretty uh, precise it's a pretty short um, instructions we have. Take the gospel everywhere. Go take it. Make disciples. Baptize them. Teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. And remember that I am with you always. But we often forget that there was another commission in the scriptures uh, that Jesus gave at one time. Now, this is often deemed the limited commission. Again, we're going to find this in Luke chapter 10. Uh, limited in the sense of its scale, where Jesus only sends out 70 men, and he's sending them again out to uh, a limited capacity, only limited cities. And he's preparing the people of those cities, those inhabitants, for his teaching and his preaching. And he's going to instruct them on what to expect when he get, they get there. He's going to teach them what they need to take. But this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to learn a great deal uh, of information here this morning on this particular evangelistic effort. And we want to center the sermon around that event. And we're going to point out, again, several things that we can learn for our own evangelistic uh, lifestyles. And so uh, if you would turn with me to Luke chapter 10, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll begin by reading these first uh, two uh, verses here. But the first point I want you to notice this morning is we need to pray Pray for the work. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 1. Now after this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them in pairs ahead of him to every city and place where he himself was going to come. And he was saying to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Again, here, here's, the, here's the emphasis here. The harvest is plentiful. Right? Uh, now, Jesus isn't staring out into some wheat field looking uh, at all the grain out there and telling the people that look at that grain out there. It's plentiful. The harvest is ready. But he's talking about souls, isn't he? And he's talking about the abundance of people out there who need to hear the gospel message, the good news of the kingdom. But then he says, but the laborers are few. He says, beseech. Or maybe your translation says, pray to the Lord of harvest to send out laborers. Friends, this point here, this first point is going to be short and concise, but it's interesting that it was laborers, Jesus said, who to pray for. He wasn't, his focus wasn't on the lost. It wasn't on what needed to be harvested, but 
but it was for the harvesters. He says, I want you to pray for laborers. Don't we more times than not do it the opposite way? We'll pray for the loss of this community, but how often do we pray that, that there will be laborers to go out and find them? Well, why? Why maybe we don't do that as much? Well, if I'm praying for laborers, that means I'm including myself in that. And I know a lot of people will say, well, listen, uh, being evangelistic, is, it's just not my, it's not my thing. It, it's not my talent. I, I don't like to maybe talk about controversial subjects. But praying for laborers to go out into the harvest, again, that includes you and I. Those prayers that we hear from the brothers here, uh, when they offer those prayers, uh, they can be very motivational, can't they? And that's what Jesus is doing here. Pray that laborers will be found to go out into the field and bring in that harvest. You know, I think Jesus understands it's not easy to recruit others to, to go and talk about Jesus. We know that in today's world, there are a lot of smaller churches of the Lord's church out there who are simply dying off because there's not that many laborers to go out and to evangelize their community. I remember one of our guest speakers that we had this past fall, uh, one, of the, uh, one of the preachers in the area came and talked about uh, how a certain uh, university within the Churches of Christ was uh, receiving two to three, um, you know, the, these kind of big checks from these churches who were closing their doors. Because, see, they were, they were so small that they had to close their doors and they sold their land, they sold their building. And they didn't have really anything to do with those funds, and so they just gave them to the college. And they said, on, on average, two to three uh, churches a year are doing that. Well, could it be that Jesus knew that recruiting laborers might be a greater problem than converting the lost? Now, yes, let's pray for the lost. Of course, we need to do that. But we also, uh, according to Jesus, we need to pray for laborers. We need to pray for those who are going to go out into the field and convert them. Pray that God will open up those doors to us. Pray for boldness. Uh, again, notice the wording that he uses, at least in my translation. Therefore, beseech the Lord of harvest. Again, your translation might say pray, but, but it's, more, it's a stronger word than just simply praying. It's pray earnestly. It's begging, imploring, urging. Pray that God will send more laborers. Let's pray more for laborers. Not only here in Columbia, but throughout the entire world. But remember, when we do that, that includes us as well. That's one point we notice from this, this reading. Number two, prepare for the work. Uh, remember verses one and two, and then let's add verse three to this. Jesus says, go, behold, I send you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Really, two major points that we read here. First of all, Jesus says that uh, we, he's sending them out as lambs in the midst of wolves. That sounds inviting, doesn't it? Well, not really, does it? But then we also notice back in verse 1, it says he sent them out in pairs, uh, two by two. Uh, the idea here is safety in numbers, right? And sometimes we need a little nudging from maybe our partner to, 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 to go and do this work. And so there's, there's wisdom in going out two by two. But, you know, you and I, we, we take for granted the, the culture that we live in today, don't we? See, in the Bible, when we read about those in the first century that went evangelizing, went preaching Jesus, we read about them being stoned. We read about them being persecuted. We read about them being drug out into cities and imprisoned. It was a trying time to preach Jesus in the first century. 
depending on who was the emperor at the time, you know, some of them were tolerant towards Christianity, but many of them were not. Many of them um, outlawed Christianity. But we also notice that during those times of persecution, Christianity often spread, and it spread like wildflower. But again, Jesus said, lambs among wolves. I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. And again, that might be a scary picture, but here's the point. They went. They went. They didn't offer excuses, but they went. You know, sometimes I wonder what we refer to as evangelistic efforts if the Apostle Paul would simply sort of, you know, yawn at what we do. You know, we have a lot of great tools here. Uh, I know we, we, we send out house to house to the community. I think we send anywhere from 900 to 1,000 of those new newsletters a month to people in Adair County. We have an online presence, you know, a Facebook page, a website that, we're, that we can uh, promote things and that we can, uh, you know, teach, send the gospel out, put our sermons out there. We have a radio program where people can listen to the gospel being preached. Uh, we have those cards in the back. I, I hesitate to call them business cards, but, uh, you know, those church cards where we, we can just pick them up and leave them and hand them out. Right. We, we use those things as evangelistic efforts. But again, the worst thing that will probably happen to us in this community, in, in this culture, is that someone will say, well, no, thank you. Or someone will say, uh, or maybe someone will even laugh, right? But that's, again, not what the Apostle Paul had to deal with. That's not what the first century Christians had to deal with. It takes a lot of effort to evangelize. We need to prepare for that work. There's a story told of two preaching students that was actually through the school that I, I graduated with a, a while ago. But this happened a long time ago. But there was these two preaching students, and they were going out on this door-knocking campaign. And it was getting late in the day, and they were getting tired, and it was getting dark out, and they were going into a rougher neighborhood. And there was one more house on the street. And so they were deciding among themselves, should we go and finish out the street, or should we just call it a day? Well, they decided to go ahead and go to the house. They knocked on the door, and nothing happened immediately. But then they started to hear a noise, a faint noise. It was a bump, swoosh, bump, swoosh, bump, swoosh. And it got louder and louder and louder, till eventually someone opened the door, and it was an elderly lady who was laying on a mat on the floor who was using her cane just to pull her to the door. See, she couldn't get up. She couldn't walk. And after explaining who they were and what they were doing, she got very teary-eyed. And she mentioned, well, I'm, I'm a member of the Lord's Church, and, but I've been unfaithful, and I haven't been coming to services, and I just can't get there, and I need a ride, and I want to I wanna come back. Well, they, the, the, the church there, they, they got a rotation. They got some men to go out and pick her up every day, or excuse me, every Sunday, every Wednesday, and she repented, and she was restored Well, not just two weeks later, the woman's house caught on fire. The woman inside died. Do you think, do you think that she is eternally grateful that those two preaching students finished the job, that they finished that row, that they went to her house and knocked on the door? Lambs among wolves. Yes, I know that sounds a little scary. Lambs among wolves. But she is eternally grateful that they went and finished the job. Again, evangelism is not supposed to be easy. It's hard work. We know it. 
And if you need someone to help you, if you need someone to reach out and help you with it, let us know, right? Go two by two. You don't have to hold that burden uh, your own. You're a lamb in the midst of wolves. And so we need to be prepared to work and to get to work. Number three, uh, pray for the work, prepare for the work. Hopefully you see my alliter- alliteration here. And number three, pay for the work. Look at what Jesus has to say here in verses four through nine. He instructs them, carry no money belt, no bag, no shoes, and greet no one on the way. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. Stay in that house eating and drinking what they give you, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not keep moving from house to house. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat what is set before you and heal those in it who are sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. We notice as Jesus is sending them out on this limited commission, he tells them there are certain things that they don't need to take. And really he's emphasizing again the scale of this work. It's limited. You don't need all of these things with you. Uh, you don't need to just stop and, and converse with people because you've got a mission to go on to. You know, I might get trouble for saying this this morning, but a lot of times when we uh, are packing for a weekend trip or a vacation, you know, I'll ask the Angela and the kids, why are we packing the whole house? You know, why do we need all of this stuff? But that's, the, that's kind of the idea here that Jesus is saying, listen, you don't need to bring all that stuff with you. Because this, this commission is limited. It needs to show uh, you know, just how important it is. You see, one of the major problems that we have in our current society is materialism. Right? Uh, the, the Bible preaches this over and over again because our buckets are full. You know, we can't keep things in our own homes. You know, I've mentioned this before, but um, visiting Knoxville after being gone for a couple of years, we drove down that stretch of a highway that we have uh, dro- driven down pretty much every day while we lived there. And within a three-mile stretch were these three brand-new buildings, and all three of them were storage units. And, and I'm not against storage units. Uh, I love them. I've used them in the past. They're convenient when you're moving. They're convenient when you're misplaced or, or maybe you, know, you have to live in an apartment for a while. I'm not against the, having an abundance of things as well. Right? We can have nice things. We can enjoy life. But the point is, is when those things supersede God's work, when my heart is filled with a desire for earthly treasures, that's the problem. That's like when Jesus, when he's preaching about the, the, the soils of the heart. And you remember that third soil he talks about, that thorny soil? And it represents when, the, when the God's word is spread upon that soil, it comes up and it chokes out the word because of things in the heart such as worldliness and riches and the pleasures of life. You know, I've heard many uh, missionaries, and I know I've, I've presented a couple of lessons on missionaries, and I have a love for them. And I've heard many stories of missionaries who dreamed of living abroad, you know, starting congregations where the, the gospel just isn't there, and, um, you know, putting, putting the Lord's church someplace where it doesn't exist. But time and time again, what happens is they come home because uh, they just don't have enough support to, to keep doing that. And because of that, the spread of the gospel, it suffers. But what's Jesus say here in verse seven? The laborer is worthy of his wages. You know, and some of our, uh, we understand that some of our giving here uh, this morning that we're about to do, that's going to go to some of that work uh, around the world. 
uh, and uh, we would love to give more and to be able to help more works as well. One preacher said uh, something to the effect of, well, well, if you can't go in person, you can still go in purse. Right? And what he's saying there is, listen, uh, we understand that not all of us can get up, leave our jobs and move halfway across the country. But we can still financially help those who are doing that. Right? Part of working in the kingdom is also funding the work of the kingdom. We've got to remember that. Jesus says the laborer is worthy of his wages. You know, someone once said when a missionary came in to give one of those reports, and he might not have been thinking at that time, but he said, listen, uh, as he's trying to raise the support for the, the missionary who comes in, and he says, you know, every little bit helps. Well, what can you do? What can you, you give? Because every little bit helps. But friends, that was a discouragement to that missionary because he was sacrificing his life. He uprooted his family, moved halfway across the world to live in a new culture, uh, to, to, to spread the gospel. And when the, the man said every little bit helps, you know, he's understanding that, hey, I'm sacrificing my life for this. And sometimes we need to make more of a sacrifice as well. So when we remember uh, about the limited commission, again, uh, pray for the work, prepare for the work, pay for the work. And then finally, our last point this morning is we need to persist for the work. Look at verses 10 through 12. Jesus continues, but whatever... A city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into its streets and say, even the dust of your city, which clings to our feet, we wipe off and protest against you. Yet be sure of this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I say to you, it will be more tolerable in the day for Sodom than for that city. And then jump down to verse 16. The one who listens to you listens to me and the one who rejects you rejects me. And he who rejects me rejects the one who sent me. Listen, we've already talked about this morning that evangelism is tough, right? That we've already emphasized that. But many, many are going to have nothing to do or want to do with what we have to say. And when that happens, Jesus says, don't quit. Don't get pessimistic. Don't go home. Shake the dust off your feet and move on to the next opportunity. Don't take it personal. Why? Doesn't that hurt when someone rejects the message we have to say? It does. But Jesus says, don't uh, don't take it personal because they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. You are just the messenger, he says. They are they are not rejecting you. And then he says there a very um, emphatic verse. He says it would be better for Sodom than for those who reject you on the day of judgment. You remember the wicked city Sodom that we read about in Scripture in Genesis chapter 19? That wicked city that God destroyed? Uh, The pridefulness, the arrogance, uh, the homosexuality, all of those things that were going on in that city. And not just that city, but the cities around. Sodom, Gomorrah, and the cities of the plains were told God rained down brimstone and fire. Uh, All the inhabitants, that which grew on the ground, everything was gone. And as wicked as Sodom was, he says it will be better for those uh, in the day of judgment than for those cities that despise you and the message that you're preaching. Again, that's quite a statement. We can't let the fact that someone hurt our feelings this morning stop us from doing what we should be doing. You know, uh, <clears throat> Satan once asked God, does, does, speaking about Job, you remember this? He says, does Job fear God for nothing? Does he fear God for nothing? Basically what he's saying is, do you really think God, that Job is serving you because he loves you? 
No, he's doing that because you're protecting him. You've placed this hedge around him. You've blessed the work of his hands. His possessions have increased all because of what you have done. You take all those things away, Job, or God, and Job, you think he's really going to serve you? Will a man serve God for nothing? And God said, yeah, consider my servant Job. Job had everything taken away from him, yet he still served. Yes, men will serve God for nothing. And that's the resolve that you and I need as we go out into this community. You will hear no a thousand times. Don't take it personal. Don't quit because we need people who will serve God for nothing. And my commitment is to God, not the approval of men. This morning, as we conclude these thoughts this morning in Luke chapter 10, again, we need to pray for laborers. We need to prepare for the hard work that's involved. We need to understand that the work demands uh, funding. It needs, uh, demands our pay. And also, we need to persist. Understanding rejection will occur. These are some great lessons that we can learn from Jesus as he sends out this 70. But this is what I want to leave us here this morning as we think on these verses. For those who reject the gospel, Jesus said it will be more tolerable in the day of judgment for Sodom than for them. If you're still in Luke chapter 10, uh, we didn't read these verses, but look at verses 13 through 15 as he describes some other uh, cities. He says, Woe to you, Chorazane! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the miracles had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, which occurred in you, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will not be exalted to heaven, will you? You will be brought down to Hades. I suppose that no one uh, wants to go into eternal judgment and eternal torment. We understand that no matter where they live, whether it's here or across the country. But I can fully assure you this morning that I don't want to go from Columbia, Kentucky. I don't want to go into judgment Uh, eternal separation from my Lord from Columbia, Kentucky. I don't want to lose my soul in the United States of America. Why? Because we know Jesus. We know the gospel message. We have multiplied Bibles on our shelves. Uh, We hear sermons preached, radio shows. You know, in the month of April, there was a gospel meeting pretty much every day uh, within an hour's range of this community here. You know, about 10 years ago, and I don't know if this is the same today, but about 10 years ago, the top three counties in the United States uh, where the New Testament Christianity is most prolific, Clay County, Tennessee, Jackson County, Tennessee, Monroe County, Kentucky. I mean, one of those counties is just down the road from us. Those others are within an hour. The gospel is being preached in our area. We don't have an excuse not to... Uh, be evangelizing or to obey the gospel. This morning, as you consider the invitation today, consider what it would be like to go into judgment from here, having never obeyed the gospel. Or, Or maybe obeying the gospel, but later walking away from it, walking away from his church. Again, compare it to the vileness of Sodom, Jesus says. It would be more tolerable for Sodom than for you in the day of judgment. Jesus said in Mark 16, 16, he who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved. This morning, if you have not put Christ on in baptism, we would love the opportunity to assist you with that, to baptize you into the Lord's church, 
so that uh, you can live a faithful life for him. Or this morning, maybe you are a member of the Lord's church, but maybe you walked away. Maybe there's something, some sin in your life that you're struggling with. Uh, Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness this morning. Again, think on those words that Jesus said here in Luke chapter 10. That be more tolerable for Sodom in the day of judgment for those uh, who have not obeyed the gospel or who are living outside uh, of Christ. This morning, if we can help you in any way this morning, please come forward as together we stand and sing.